Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. Football. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Football show. You're not hearing me at all now. You guys hearing me now? Okay, all right. I got head nods now. Yeah, we're having a little issues with the microphone apparently today, and I'll have to check that out after the show. In the meantime, though, bear with us, and thank you for tuning in on the MD's Fantasy Football Show on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe so you can catch all of our content there, and you can also find us live on bellyup.tv. If you miss the show, that's fine. Just download the Foxy Network app on your Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices and download the show on the go when you download us on your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with my co-host, Christopher Dowhauer, and of course, we have Brian Scott to kick things off, where we have a much lighter injury segment for you today, Brian. Great. <laughs> I could use it this week. <laughs> it was pretty brutal yesterday. I got, I got to tell you. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. And, you know, listening to the promo of Flex Fantasy, one of the cool things you didn't talk about is people get to actually enter contests versus people like yourself and win awesome prizes. Mm-hmm. And I know it was a different show they're talking about, but I know tomorrow on the show, we're giving away a Jameson Williams signed autograph Alabama jersey. So I think that's one of the cooler things that you could also use the Flex Fantasy op- uh, app for as well. Yeah, that's something we promote on social media at BellyUpMDFF Show. Every, every single day, really, for the most part. But on the show in particular, we usually promote it tomorrow. We'll be back with the Cashing Friday with Chaz Florida. Talk about the DraftKings contest and how to enter and sign up for Flex Fantasy and get into those challenges to help you guys 
get some raffles. And last week we only had one winner. We had we had one winner from the DraftKings. Nobody beat me in the Flex Fantasy Challenges, so we only had one extra name. So that means we only have three names total right now. And midway through October for that Jameson Williams autographed Alabama jersey. So the pickings are good. The odds will be in your favor. Just make sure you go ahead and sign up at Flex Fantasy slash Belly Up FF. Look for the MBFF show. And of course, our, our social media pages, we have our DraftKings uh, lineup or link, I should say, as well for you guys to jump on. So make sure you get into that. But I don't want to waste any more of Brian's time. We got to get into some of these injuries so he can have a lovely Thursday because we know that Thursday night game is really important right now. So I'll... Injury inquiries. Oh. 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 All right, Brian, just so you can get back to that 3-0 uh, catastrophe going on on yet another Thursday night. How about Baker Mayfield, his ankle injury? Does he really have any shot to play this week? Is this another team just trying to push the envelope for no reason? Uh, I, I don't expect him to be to be in there. Uh, word on the street was that he's actually in a walking boot uh, since after the game and uh, was actually at practice today, uh, tossing the ball around on the side but still wearing the boot. And some reports I've read says that he has what they think is a high ankle sprain, which, as you know, if you follow the, the Panthers, Sam Darnold's been on IR with a high ankle sprain. So I don't anticipate that make, uh, ba- Baker is going to be ready this weekend. He hasn't really done anything in practice. He's been uh, tied up in the boot. So uh, sounds like they're getting their uh, backup. Uh, is it PJ? Um, PJ Walker. PJ yeah, Walker ready uh, to go. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't expect him in. All right. Real quick. Go ahead. Oh, real quick, Brian, I, you know, I, I kind of have this theory about Baker Mayfield that he tends to get hurt so people forget about how terrible he was playing. Um, <laughs> hey, I, I have heard Wilson last week. Good. Well, I, I heard it through. The, you, you did, actually. And I heard it through the grapevine that, you know, he, he, I'm, not, I'm not really sure how this works. But the boot thing, for example, like, you know, Tyree Kill had a boot on. Doesn't mean you necessarily have a, a major injury, something they do for precautionary sometimes purposes. But also that, you know, when he got his x-rays, nothing was shown to be majorly negative. There was a ligament damage. So unlike Sam Darnold, where there was things that showed up in the X-ray, there was still things that showed up in Baker's. Is that anything to kind of you know lean in different ways, or you still think it's be the same thing Sam Darnold's kind of dealing with? Uh, it's probably not as severe as Sam Darnold's, um, but you don't have to necessarily have any positive finding on an X-ray to diagnose a high ankle sprain. Problem is, it's a different portion of the ankle joint that's affected with different ligaments involved, and generally speaking, they tend to take a little bit longer to heal. And if rushed back too soon, they can linger longer and uh, cause more uh, gross uh, chronic instability with the ankle, which you do not want. So most um, uh, players, if diagnosed with a high ankle sprain, you're looking at a little bit longer of a recovery and and, uh, getting back into action than you would for a traditional ankle sprain. Um, uh, You know, Baker historically has played through some pretty significant injuries. He's a pretty tough guy doesn't like to sit out, but I think the Panthers, given the state of their season thus far, uh, are probably going to be smart and, and just kind of sit them and reevaluate them next week. What about the Arizona Cardinals? James Conner, rib injury, didn't practice yesterday, didn't practice today, and also Darrell Williams dealing with the knee issue. Yeah, uh, I think both are going to be uh, potentially be out. I think if, if any one of those two guys comes back, it'll be uh, Conner's. Uh, because uh, of the need, <laughs> purely just because of the need. Uh, it depends on the severity of the rib injury. Uh, you know, you can wear protection there. 
Um, but he is a running back. He's going to have to deal with getting hit pretty much every time he touches the ball. And even when he's blocking, uh, should he be in there? So uh, it's going to be kind of probably down to a game time decision for him. So Rashad Penny's obviously he's out for the rest of the year, but yes, is this going to be a career ending thing for him? Or do you think he'd come back just as strong next season? No, I, I expect him to make a full recovery. It is going to be, unfortunately, a longer recovery, uh, given the nature of his uh, injury. He basically, so he's, uh, so we were talking about high ankle sprains. Well, the worst case scenario in a high ankle sprain is you get what Rashad Penny have. He had a fibular fracture with what's called the syndesmotic ligament injury and a deltoid ligament injury. Essentially, that is a, a high ankle sprain that, got taken a little bit too far over the edge <laughs> and resulted in fractures and ligament tears. And the only way to treat that, unfortunately, is surgical. And because of the the type of surgery involved, uh, it definitely prolongs the recovery time. He's going to be off his feet uh, probably for about six to eight weeks where he's not actually going to be putting weight on it at all. And so that slows down your rehab significantly, which is why he's out for the year. Good. I was going to say, I know real quick, thing, you know, for, for Rashad Penny, I know the thing that he should be healthy for free agency. So people who are dynasty owners, you know, keep that in mind that from everything I'm hearing, he should be able, okay and be able to go to make his visits and healthy, as Brian kind of talked about, you know, from his, his getting back in shape and stuff like that should be done by the time he's still working out for teams and stuff. Yeah, I expect him to make a full recovery. Yeah, I mean, until his next injury. Let's 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 be real. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to last that long. No, I don't get twisted. <laughs> Uh, we don't have to talk about Isaiah McKenzie. He already cleared a concussion protocol. He'll be good to go. But what about Dak Prescott? So he, for the first time, practiced mm-hmm. in a limited capacity. Today was officially able to be on the practice report. What do you, I mean, I don't really think he's going to play this week, but what are you thinking as far as this week or maybe more likely next week? I'm, I'm leaning more toward next week. He, he got kind of back on the field and was doing some throws, and some reports actually said that he was throwing during some practice drills to receivers. Although, uh, apparently, when asked, he wouldn't necessarily confirm that. But, um, I mean, if they're reporting that and they're watching him do it, <laughs> I guess he was doing it. Um, but I think he's going to need at least another week probably to really uh, develop full strength in that hand. And, and, you know, not just to throw the ball, but also to secure it, uh, you know, when he's bat- dropping back in the pocket there in case he gets tackled. Um, and if he has to run, you got to be able to tuck it and run and take hits. And, and not fumble. So um, I had projected originally it was going to be at least probably five weeks, maybe closer to six. And we're kind of right in that window now. Um, but judging by what I'm hearing and the fact that the Cowboys are playing well with Rush, I think they're probably going to wait till next week. Yeah, Jerry Jones is going to be able to spin it, Dan. He's going to be able to spin it. I just throw the ball. He's going to be able to spin it. <laughs> Look, I don't care what he does. As long as just get back by next week. I got Jalen Hurts in a few leagues. I got Dak Prescott backing him up. It'd be perfect. You come back and play against Detroit when Jalen Hurts is on by, and that would work out very, very nicely. Uh, what about Russell Wilson and his uh, ego slash shoulder, whatever injury? His Baker well, Mayfield injury. So the funny thing is, is the the injury that's involved is actually one of your back muscles uh, that that attaches into the top part of your humerus bone. It's your latissimus step, you know, kind of thing that gives you that V shape when you're hitting the gym. Uh, it, so it's not really part of his shoulder as far as the throwing motion is concerned. So it's not a huge deal. Uh, apparently, though, he had some type of uh, what's called a PRP injection into the shoulder. I'm not sure where uh, they're injecting it, if it's his lat. Uh, but 
he states that he feels significantly better each day that he's since he's had the injection, which was last Friday. And when asked, he said he's ready to go. So I don't see it really hampering him uh, this weekend. It's like a Trump yeah. of a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, last but not least, Keenan Allen. It's been the ongoing thing. Yeah. He was listed as a limited participant today. They do play the Monday night game. So my advice right off the bat is like, unless you have a Josh Palmer or something you're pivoting yeah. to that game, you're not going to play him regardless. But what do you think of the odds are of him actually coming back? Well, even if he does suit up, I don't think you're going to see him at 100%. Uh, he's probably going to be very tentative if he does get out there. Uh, let's not forget, he had a, a significant setback. Uh, if not, I think it was last Friday when he tried to to make a return. And, yeah. yeah, and ended up having to kind of pull himself out of practice midway. Um, so it's encouraging to see that he was able to get through a limited session today, but I think he's going to need several more limited and full sessions before he's really ready to get back on the field. So it could be still at least another week, maybe even longer. I promised you guys a short and sweet injury segment, and that's what we were able to get. So, Brian, <laughs> thanks for coming on, man. You get to relax a little bit now. What do you got coming up the rest of this weekend, and where should we be following you at? Uh, as like I always say, I'm, I'm most active on Twitter at host Brian Scott. Uh, I did redo my website recently, so check out the new format, uh, uh, list.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at the Injured List Podcast, and I will be on another Belly Up show Sunday morning at 8 a.m. like I always am uh, doing some last-minute injury updates. And then Andrew LaDuck and I just uh, are going to be putting out our article uh, on the Fantasy website uh, tomorrow, so you can read that there as well. 8 a.m. when there's no actual London games going on. You're just glutton for punishment. But we love every minute of it. We're glad you're able to do it. Brian, we'll see My you pleasure. next week. I can't wait, man. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks, Brian. You're welcome. So once again, that is Brian Scott of the Injured List Podcast at host Brian Scott on social media. Please make sure you go ahead and give him a follow. So, Chris, it is the clairvoyant Thursday, but it's also the first week that we have bye weeks. So we actually have not as many teams to go over today. In fact, we have two less matchups. We got four less teams in today's show. So we got these matchups that we're talking about here. We're talking about Tampa Bay, Carolina, the Rams, and the Arizona Cardinals versus Seattle Seahawks. Those are the four matchups we're going to go through in the first segment of today's show. So let's not waste any more time and get into our obvious starters of this group. This is what happens when I don't have my intern. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. So first and foremost, Tom Brady. He's back, baby. I got him as QB6 heading into this week. He's got his weapons back. He's good to go. Pittsburgh Steelers are the sixth worst team against the quarterback position. Brady, the last two games, has thrown the ball 52 times. And look, against Kansas City, yes, they had to come back from behind in that game. But last week, they were up pretty much the entire way and only put up 21 points. Yet, he still threw the ball 52 times against the Atlanta Falcons. It tells me that I think that's a sign of they want to get back to their offense the way it was last year with an improved defense. I'm really big on Tom Brady this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, it tells me two things. It tells me that the offensive line is not as good as it was last couple of years. They're not blocking, pass run blocking as well. Tom Brady's definitely going to spread them out and throw the ball. But I also think you, you made a great point about them trying to get in a rhythm. I think what you see right now is Tom Brady's having a second training camp out there. And as long as he has different receivers coming back each week, he's going to continue to throw the ball around and try to get his guys involved. 
one thing I like about what I see from him, as you point out, the Atlanta game, I think if they get up in this game, which they should probably do so easily, they're going to keep probably continue to throw similar to what Buffalo did versus Pittsburgh team. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Hey, we got a question coming in right now. Showtime. Do I do Aaron Jones for Brees Hall? Well, I hope you don't do Aaron Jones at all. But uh, as far as for Brees Hall goes, I think ultimately that is just a sideways move. I mean, I mean, and he says it's in a PPR format. So maybe I give a little bit of a lift there to Brees Hall then because he has been getting a lot more targets, especially as he gets to pull forward of Michael Carter. But ultimately, I think these guys are valued about the same because they still have Aaron Jones still has to deal with A.J. Dillon. Brees Hall still has to deal with Michael Carter. So they're going to be capped a little bit. Brees Hall is the hot flavor right now, but the better team is still the Packers. The better team is still Aaron Jones. So I think it's just, look, if you really want Brees Hall and that's just like a guy you want to root for, sure. Otherwise, I think it's just a parallel move. What do you think, Chris? I think it's a parallel move, if not a little bit of a downgrade. I think Aaron Jones, as you kind of alluded to, you haven't seen the upside of him yet. We haven't seen Green Bay kind of find its niche yet. And Aaron Jones has been pretty consistently good. He hasn't been great yet. Bryce Hall has been amazing the last two weeks. So there's probably going to be a little bit of regression on both sides. So I look at Aaron Jones as the guy who probably has the regression upside. While Bryce Hall might have some downside. You know, his rookie might hit the wall. Different things could happen as the season progresses. Aaron Jones is a guy I would hold on to. My last obvious starter for the quarterback position for these groups is Kyler Murray comes into my QB five and you're just leaning on the legs, baby. And you like the matchup here against the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know literally anything else to say about that. I don't know about the legs part. I know the Seattle part's the part that you're probably have in mind. There's not a lot of great matchups this week. Kyler Murray has a nice matchup versus Seattle team is hemorrhaging points left and right and yards left and right. So if Arizona scores anybody, hopefully. Well, I do think the legs part, because I, I do think with Eno Benjamin back there, I think he might keep a couple of those extra RPO options. And there seems to be more of an emphasis, more of an urgency, finally, and only took six weeks, but finally coming out of the coaching staff about like, all right, we need to get Kyler Murray running because he's a better quarterback. Ha ha. Knew that all along when he's using his legs and being a playmaker first. Like, yeah, no crap. That's what you paid him to be. And you try to make him a pocket passer. This is why that doesn't work when you try to do things like that. Now we got, oh, we got our running backs. So I want to highlight Leonard Fournette. He is an obvious starter for me. He does come in at my RB7 for me this week. So the thing about Leonard Fournette, of course, everybody was getting all panicked initially, right? Because Rashad White was starting to cut in. And even last week, it was kind of on a 60-40 split as far as snap counts between those two. But it doesn't matter. Why doesn't it matter? Because Leonard Fournette's not getting pigeonholed to first, second down work. He's not getting pigeonholed to the goal line. He's not the touchdown dependent. He's still getting receiving work. What's happening is that he's going out there for every two series that Rashad White gets one. That's how this thing is breaking down. And as long as it breaks down on a series-like basis favoring Leonard Fournette, I'm not going to be concerned about this at all. And he's going to be an obvious top 10 starter for me every single week. Yeah, not also not being, you know, utilized, not, not utilizing the passing as a shot or your shot weights usage. He's going to be the preferred running back as a running attack where you're not really seeing White becoming a great runner yet. Um, so Fournette has that lockdown, has the red zone lockdown. So I I think there's no worries. Talk about, you know, some of the other guys like Aaron Jones in the trade before Brees Hall. They're sharing backfields with people that are still producing. I think Leonard Fournette's doing just well. Christian McCaffrey is my RB3. And uh, I don't think we really need to say much more about that. You're playing. Christian McCaffrey. What about the wide receivers? Mike Evans. I got him. I usually have him inside my top 10, but playing against Pittsburgh Steelers, he's inside my top five this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving Tampa Bay against Pittsburgh, especially after watching Buffalo 
just go ballistic. So, and he played Cooper Cup. Let's let's highlight the guy I actually want to talk about a little bit more. So, Marquise Brown, he comes in my wide receiver nine this week. Now, this is probably the last week that he gets to enjoy not having DeAndre Hopkins there to bother him, and it's a great matchup against Seattle. I don't think people really realize how good Marquise Brown's been to this point, though. I mean, he's third in targets in the NFL amongst wide receivers going up against the Seattle team that has allowed the six fewest points to wide receivers as a whole, but the most points to deep ball targets to wide receivers. And again, it's a little bit skewed when it comes to like the six fewest wide receiver points because teams have been running against them so effectively that they haven't necessarily have been guarding against the pass. There's nobody in that secondary I'm afraid of. Hollywood Brown, fire him up for another huge week out of him until DeAndre Hopkins comes back. Yeah, I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is going to change Marquise Brown's usage at all. I think DeAndre Hopkins is not going to be the number one guy for his goal as much as that he thought he was. Um, people, you know, have seen kind of him as decline the last couple of years. I'm just to see how healthy he's going to be. You know, he was he left because of what he was using off the field. I had to see what he has still left in the sense. So I, I think Marquise Brown's just safe just right now, and they paid him a lot of money to be the man. The targets will come down a little bit now. I don't think so. I mean, this Arizona offense has been putrid. I, I think that if we're expecting Arizona to start running the ball or start actually scoring some points and being coming Arizona again, the pace should increase. The actual usage should be should be just equal. I think he just stopped throwing the ball to stupid people like A.J. Green and other guys wasting targets. Just consolidate him to the three or four guys of you know, Ertz. Um, I think you'll see more still become, I think Marquise Brown and Hopkins will be the other guys. I think Ertz and Hopkins are going to be the red zone guys. I think Marquise Brown and more will be the between the 20 guys. I think it's how it's going to unfold moving forward. I guess the key that you're pointing out there is that you'd have to think that with Hopkins back, they will actually go more up-tempo because they haven't been so far to this point. So I guess that would have to be the key. Well, they did last week for the, the for the first time they have a, a quicker picked up a little bit quicker pace. And so you talked about, you know, if Kyler Murray's going to run, well, part of them actually remember Kyler Murray can do well is also he can't read defenses as well when you fast pace. That helps with his running ability, helps with scrambling, helps the offense. So I think that's something they maybe they're picking up again. That part is very much true. How about the tight ends? I'm obviously starting Tyler Higby because he continues to be targeted at a ridiculous rate. And then I'm obviously starting Zach Ertz because he's playing against the only team who's worse than the team that he's on against the tight end position. <laughs> and look, and he's been pretty consistent so far this year. Obviously, he's another guy I'm a little bit concerned about as far as his target share when DeAndre Hopkins comes back. But his consistency, seven and a half points, half, uh, half PPR points, every or more, every single game so far this season. Great matchup here against Seattle. He comes in my tight end three on the week. Yeah, and a guy that you know, Kyler Murray looks for. He likes him, he especially likes him in the red zone. So while you, you know, maybe the targets go down a little bit, while he's been really featured getting you know, 10 targets for most weeks as a tight end is amazing. But this guy is definitely a featured part of their attack in the middle of the field. And when they get in the red zone, he's pretty much their only primary guy they can look for. Once Hopkins comes back, I think it'll be him as well. But those two guys are the red zone guys where you just have other shorter receivers who just aren't really that effective. And Kyle looks for particular bigger guys in the red zone. All right, well, that does it for our obvious starters for this group. Let's head into our lock-em-ins. Lock-em-in. It's a lock. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. So I have, I have James Conner listed here, but we don't think he's actually going to play. I did put like a little slash of Eno Benjamin. So when you look at the graphic here and you see that James Conner's ranked at my RB19, that's where Eno Benjamin's going to be ranked once I officially make that switch on bellyupfantasysports.com. So basically what I'm saying is lock in the Arizona running back against the Seattle Seahawks. Make sure they're in your lineup. And if Eno Benjamin's going to have all the work to himself, you got to feel really good about not just his floor, but what his ceiling could be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, great matchup. You talked about Seattle, a team that hasn't stopped the run this entire season. Uh, now, they have had more difficult guys that are more tackle breakers. So it'll be interesting to see the speed guys will just be just as effective versus them. I'm sure they could be. Um, but, you know, Benjamin's a nice prime, you know, breakout spot this week. And from everything, you know, people who do ESPN leagues, they know that ESPN takes the sweet old time working somebody out. They've already projected that James Conner will not have any points, and they were projecting that they're having him as a st- – um, sorry, <clears throat> they're having Eno Benjamin as a starter. So to me, if, if ESPN is already ahead of the game, that means James Conner is not playing. <laughs> That's a good point, too, because ESPN is never ahead of the game. No. Uh, Ken Walker, he's my RB14 this week. He's been the, the flavor of the week. I've gotten so many do I trade for, do I trade away – Kenneth Walker, do I trade him high? Do I try to get him while I still can before he might blow up into an RB1? Everybody wants a piece of Kenneth Walker right now. Chris, obviously, you're starting him this week. I have him locked in as a top 15 running back. I don't think that's the conversation to have. The conversation to have is what do you think realistically is his rest of season outlook? So, look, I'm a big Kenneth Walker fan, and I had my investment in him hoping the Rashad Penny inevitable injury would happen. Um, but I was, you know, belly up fantasy live on Tuesday nights with my co-host Adam. Um, Adam was sharing a really good point where he was saying, you know, a lot of people were so excited about this guy that maybe you sell high and try to buy somebody, some of the bigger name guys that people are this infatuated with in Walker because he's the newest guy. And at first I was kind of like, I hadn't really thought about that, but I think it's a great point. I think if these guys are really looking at him, like, look, he's a great player. If you, you can't upgrade and keep, him. but if you can find people who are so eager to get your hands on this guy, and you could upgrade to like an Aaron Jones, for example, or some of the trades we were throwing out earlier. Um, that absolutely look into that. Kenneth Walker is not going to be featured in the passing attack. Homer's coming back soon. DJ Dallas is still going to be involved. One thing Seattle has notoriously done for the last few years is they always like to dissect that passing attack and let like that sprinkle somebody else in. Now, Chris Carson became more of a you know, featured guy, but you still had J.D. McKissick. You still had C.J. Procise. You always had somebody. So with Homer and DJ Dallas, the other two backs in his backfield already, they're not going anywhere. So I, I think Kenneth Walker has a little bit of a limited upside when it comes to pass catching. And it's still a rookie. 
a guy who had been banged up in senior more recently, had a nice run run, but you're still going to see some growing pains out there. You're not going to see them kind of giving him the ball 25, 30 times either. Rashad Penny's only getting about 15 carries. So don't get too overexcited about Kev Walker. You know, you have a good RB2 in your hands for right now. Maybe upside for RB low, low RB1. But if you can buy high for somebody that is already RB1 or somebody panicking like a Dalvin Cook or somebody or a, a Al Kamara, you could package that. Right now, people are panicking on Jonathan Taylor. People yeah. are looking to move off of him. That a package deal involving Kenneth Walker is le- is legitimately in the cards right now because everyone's buying into that. Look, I, I'm with you. I think Kenneth Walker is a tremendous RB two who has the talent because of his explosive ability to become a low end RB one. And while I'd like to think they give him a shot at some point of catching the ball, look when Travis Homer comes back, he was annoyingly involved when Rashad Penny was healthy, and we know DJ Dallas will probably have a role in that standpoint too. They were giving Rashad Penny more work over the past couple of weeks, and he was on pace to go over 15 carries as well this last week until he got injured. But Kenneth Walker would have to put on Nick Chubb-level kind of success on the ground in order to offset the fact that he probably won't be as involved in the passing game. That's ultimately what this is going to boil down to. So love Kenneth Walker. You're not going to be able to buy low on him or anything like that. But if you can sell high on him for an upper echelon RB1, now is the time to do so, especially when he's got to get on the dock too. Real quick, the way you can see that RB one you know possible potential unfolding is if Ty Lockett's injury is some, some kind of severe injury, this offense can consolidate considerably different than it has been. Yeah, and I'm actually we're we're about to get into that now because as said they're actually in the next group. So Lockett and wide receivers, I, and Chris, you should be proud of me because I finally come around. I had DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett ranked back to back as mid-level wide receiver twos, 15 and 16, respectively. And then Tyler Lockett had a pull a hamstring injury, and we're not sure exactly how bad that is, so he'll be falling down my ranks most likely when we get the updated injury reports, and we'll update you guys, too, with the fantasy spin at BellyUpMDFF show when that does come down. Let's for a second pretend that Lockett didn't go ahead and pull his hamstring in practice today. With these two guys against the Saints, I was leaning as Lockett being more of the upside play because Lattimore, he's going to see DK Metcalf, so at least have a tough corner on him. And the backside of the Saints secondary is susceptible. That's been proven so far this season. Oh, I'm sorry, Arizona. The outside of Byron, I got that completely mixed up. I'm on last week. I'm sorry. Byron Murphy is going to be on DK Metcalf. And then you have the backside of Arizona secondary, which it's kind of, it's, it's basically the same thing. And Lattimore is injured, so he might be out this week. But yes, um, it is a little bit different. And uh, well, here's my thing: I got really excited about um, DK Metcalf a couple weeks ago when they're playing Detroit because I thought they were going to play a lot of man coverage. And when I think teams are going to probably play him man, which Byron Murphy's going to trail him, I think DK Metcalf physically can't be guarded an entire game with one person, particularly if he's much bigger than you are. Byron Murphy's a tremendous slot corner, a very good player. He is not a one-on-one lockdown shutdown corner. He's been good against certain guys. Arizona's been kind of getting away with their defense and then their illusion of a defense. Gio's been pretty efficient getting rid of the ball quickly. Arizona hasn't seen a team that's really been getting rid of the ball quickly versus them. I'm interested to see if DK Metcalf can continue to do it, particularly if this target's consolidated because that he will be the alpha in that passing attack. No, agreed. The only thing I would say is that if Lockie can't go, and Metcalf's the only guy out there, and they can just double cover and cloud cover DK Metcalf, the volume's still going to be there. Like, I'm not going to change as far as him being a top 20 receiver, but I might move him down a couple of pegs. I do think if they double and triple cover him, it will limit what his upside 
potential could be this week. I think so too, but I think one of the reasons Seattle's been able to move the ball is because they have been efficient. Genie's been efficient with the ball, but B, they've been successful running the ball, and that threat and those running attack is keeps you kind of honest. Arizona's been pretty okay against the run, but if they're going to have to key on that, they can't sit there and play record coverage on DK and let this running attack kind of gets unfolded because you can still beat them with just those two players in a sense. We got uh, Brandon C coming in here. Would you start Dobbs or Alec Pierce at the flex? I have Dobbs ranked ahead of Alec Pierce. I like what I saw at Alec Pierce. Don't get me twisted. But Randall Cobb, I'm going to keep saying it over and over again, had his once in a leap year performance last week. That is not something that's in his repertoire of being able to continue. Romeo Dobbs is more on his way to becoming this number one receiver for the Green Bay Packers with Alan Lazard as the red zone guy. They're playing the Jets. I am playing. I am trusting Aaron Rodgers more than I'm trusting Matt Ryan. And I'm playing Romeo Dobbs over Alec Pierce. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think that what you've seen is kind of then unfold. Pierce's usage did you know pick up, but you're still kind of dependent on a guy who's a big play guy and a red zone guy, which for a team hasn't been really scoring points as of late. So I'd be a little bit more worried about that versus the player has more of a safer floor and has been showing out the last couple of weeks. I'm also locking in Chris Godwin as a top 20 receiver playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Love it there. I'm going to switch to the Steelers and talk about my lock-in tight end, Pat Freermuth. I think I've had Pat Freermuth ranked as my number 10 tight end almost every single week so far this season. Doesn't always have the hugest ceiling, but just has that floor. Gets involved as long as he's good to go and out there on Sunday, which we do have to wait to see tomorrow. Yeah, still in concussion protocol. They're still kind of iffy if they're going to play him or not. But you've seen him be pretty consistent despite the different quarterback situations that have occurred. He had, you know, had five games, 75 yards, one game, four catches for 60-something yards other game. So he's been pretty good for them for the most part. Um, got banged up late last last game. Like I said, the concussion is going to be a huge thing. They're kind of leaning towards the he hopefuls to play, but they're not quite sure. So just kind of keep that in mind as you get closer. And Tampa Bay is actually one of the better teams against, or, or one of the worst teams against the tight end as well. You can't, they are susceptible to that position. So something to keep in mind there with Pat Freeman. Don't be afraid to play him as long as he's active and good to go. Let's dive into our lookout for players. Lookout for. Okay, Gino, I'm putting you to top 10. If you burn me, I'm going to hate myself because I don't believe that you are actually this good. I do think reality will set in at some point, but he is going to be a QB 10 for me. He's been the quarterback too over the past three weeks. It's hard to ignore, especially on a bye week. And look, I'm going to put this graphic up here and I'll give a descriptive, you know, description for the people who are listening to this on the podcast app. Actually, I, have, I just moved them up to eight. So this, this outline's all. I just moved them up to eight. So correction, Geno Smith's even higher. Look, when you start looking at these quarterbacks on the back end, Kirk Cousins, Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, I had Carson Wentz who looks like he's off to a abysmal start, Russell Wilson. Those are the guys I have directly behind Geno Smith this week. It just gives you more of an idea of why I have him this high with how he's been playing against the Arizona Cardinals in a week like this. Uh-oh, the people are coming around on Gino. Just to throw something in context for numbers-wise, really interesting stat over, you know, it's been five weeks, and the only quarterback all time who has ever started off better, better PFF ranking or better completion percentage or above the expected class percentage and all that good fun stuff, um, Gino Smith and Tom Brady in the season where he had Randy Moss, Wes Walker, and that awesome 16-0 New England Patriot, which lost. Take, take your victory last now, but don't don't get too far ahead of yourself. Hey, like I said, only only time in history. So I'm not trying to say take my victory last, but hey, it's, it's 
five weeks in, so it can't just you know it's, it's been pretty good right now. Nice and real game. quick, and I will I will say that you know one caveat is the Lockett thing will be big. If Lockett's not in the game, he's not going to be as necessarily effective at passing the ball. Um, they do rely on having two targets and then that running attack. It's why they're kind of hard to take away from one thing from them. But if they'll have like you talked about, you know, they kind of limit for DK. Even if he still has his game, it's not going to make the you know you're going to have James with having 300 something yards he, he has been the last couple of weeks. Yeah, like, like I said, if Lockett goes out, that just it feeds Kenneth Walker a little bit more. So just going back to that point, why Kenneth Walker has to be locked in your lineups and does have quite a bit of upside heading into this game. My other lookout for quarterback is Matthew Stafford, who I have at QB 15, even on a, a week where we see four teams on by. It's just been brutal. And now Cooper Cup, who I'm, I'm not worried about not playing Sunday, but it seems like maybe he's picked up a little bit of an injury here with a foot issue, limited in practice today. If he's at all hindered, it could get really ugly for Matthew Stafford and everybody else, even against a Carolina Panther team that has a new head coach heading into this matchup. Stafford's just, he's a drop. I don't, I don't really see the need. There's no reason to own him over any other one of the other streaming quarterbacks who, frankly, I have higher than him. Well, I'm not sure I would drop him because just as you alluded to earlier, the quarterbacks you had behind Geno Smith earlier, the quarterback play has not been what we hoped to be for a lot of parts of the season yet. So you might want to kind of hold on and see what's going to happen. But this week, I 100% agree with you. It looks like it should be a good matchup for Carolina. I'm hopeful Matthew Stafford can get back on. But if you have another option, I'm not taking that chance because I think right now what you see is a offensive line that is putrid at best a team that is just reliant on the Cooper Cup. I'm not worried about the injury. I think everything's just maintenance-related. He's a little banged up, but he'll be fine. But the problem is, is he's the only person on the offense that's fine. Nobody else is doing anything. Tyler Higby's getting all those targets, but nobody else is scoring any points. It's ridiculous right now in the, the Ram offense. Yeah, it, it's absolutely sad. Maybe when they get Brian Allen back, it'll help solidify that offensive line a little bit. But it, it's there doesn't look like there's much hope on the horizon. And by the way, all this OBJ talk, that would not solve the issue that is the Rams' offense right now. That, that's nope. not the problem. It's more the, the possibility of Whitworth unretiring. That that would change everything, but I think it would take an awful lot to get him to unretire at this point in the season. Uh, let's move on to somebody else who's also been disappointing. we got to look out for it, the running back, Najee Harris. It has been brutal. I still have him as my RB21 for this week. I'm looking for reasons to move him even lower than that. If you're wondering why it's been so bad for Harris outside of the offensive line, maybe he's still dealing with a bit of an injury from, from, from camp. And I think that's part of it because, look, he was never an explosive guy, but it, he was never this bad either. The main problem from a fantasy standpoint going on is that he only has 15 targets through five games. He had 39 targets at this point in the season last year. And, yes, Mr. Trubisky and the combination of him and Kenny Pickett, they're not – Ben Roethlisberger checking it down 24-7. But to not even involve him hardly at all in the passing game was supposed to be one of the things that he does well. That's the problem. That's why Najee Harris has been so brutal and fantasy-wise. And when you look at their schedule, it's not going to get any easier. I don't, know how, I don't know how much longer he even holds on to an RB2 position. Well, I think there's two things. Number one, he is definitely hurt. Um, and people might forget about the fact that he was supposed to possibly have started off the pup the season because he had his injury he had going coming up the summer. He, yeah, he played through it, but obviously he does not look like he's the same Najee Harris. I know this guy's everybody's explosive, and I, I pointed this out in Belly Up Live yesterday that, you know, three and a half yards per carry last year versus two and a half yards per carry this year, there's still a difference that he, even Najee, you want to be the efficiency experts, so all hate, want to hate on him. 
he's way more inefficient even so than he was. Now, part of it also is that while Ben is – people want to check down the machine that Ben is, Ben was putting up more yards. Pittsburgh was moving the ball a lot more consistently. They actually went pace a lot more often, especially in the fourth quarter when they scored a lot of their points and had a lot of those passing yards. This offense right now is very slow. It's very scared to do anything. They barely get first downs. Trubisky's out, so it has been a little bit more you know, opened up a little bit. But until Najee Harris is healthy, and I think it's going to be a couple of weeks so you see that possibly, if at all, um, and until they actually kind of solidify what they're going to do with the quarterback position, he's going to be a guy you, you know, if you can avoid putting in your lineup, probably don't want to, especially against the matchup versus Tampa Bay this week. Here's another guy that I, I don't want to put in my lineup, but you might have to this week due to bye weeks and injuries and whatnot, and that's well, that's Cam Akers. He comes into my RB27. There's a chance, given that it's Carolina and they're playing as P.J. Walker, that there might actually be a pro game script involved here for the Rams. In that scenario, I do trust Cam Akers a little bit. I think there's a decent chance he can wind up in the red zone this week. That's all I can offer you for. It's, it's not great, but it's the only game where I felt okay about the idea of having to play Cam Akers in the flex, but still... I'd rather find other options if I at all can. Yeah, I'm much more confident in playing Stafford than playing Cam Akers, if that makes sense to people. <laughs> That's how I feel. That's fair. Uh, let's move on to the wide receivers. Look out for it. I'm looking out for Deontay Johnson all the way down at my wide receiver 29. He's ninth in targets. That's how inefficient he's been. Ninth in targets. His catch rate is putrid, and that's been the big issue. Not finding the end zone. I like playing against Tampa Bay. It's another bad matchup here. I don't know what to do with Deontay Johnson. He's too good of a talent to drop. Maybe Pickett gets better. Maybe their tempo comes up, but the volume's still there. It's just not capitalizing. Yeah, he's not capitalizing. There's another guy that was also injured coming into the season, had surgery, had just kind of recovered throughout the thing, and it's still bothering him. And I think he's not extending for the ball. That was one of the concerns about him coming back. Was, would he go up for the ball? Could he contest, you know, go for contested catches? This guy already has drop issues in his history, so I think that kind of limits him what he can do. But the one thing that has not changed is over the last few years, no, only a few players, I think three players in the league have had greater separation per route run than Deontay Johnson. The guy simply gets open. So I think when it comes down to a young quarterback picket, eventually Deontay Johnson will become a safety blanket when he gets healthy again. He's just not that way right now. No, and, and far from it. And I, I hope that's all it is. I, I really do. But it's it's been brutal. George Pickens, he comes in my wide receiver 35. You could actually think about him. Again, Kenny Pickens taking shots to George Pickens. So he has the opportunity to hit the big play. But he does not have much of a floor going against Tampa Bay. Yet still, with the bye weeks, he does come in as a low-end wide receiver three for me. The guy I want to highlight here, though, is Rondale Moore. So they finally put Moore back in the slot after A.J. Green flexes out to the outside and Marquise Brown came in, and what happened? Oh, he was actually involved in the offense. It wasn't anything special, but he still had seven catches for 68 yards. And he, this is the one guy, so like Marquise Brown, I do think his targets come down when DeAndre Hopkins gets involved in the offense. I do think Zach Ertz's targets come down when DeAndre Hopkins is back into the offense. The one guy I think that gets left untouched is Rondale Moore in the slot position because what does Kyler Murray do? He throws it to Hopkins, and he throws it over the middle of the field. I think that's where Rondell Moore might actually be able to pull off a, a sneaky comeback from a guy that we were excited about heading into the draft process due to injury and also ridiculous usage out of Cliff Kingsbury has been quiet to this point. 
But now I'm starting to get more excited. Now they finally got him back into the slot where he should be playing in the first place. Rondo Moore, wide receiver 34 for me this week. And I like his upside. Absolutely. So I think what the new thing is for coaches now is that they have, you know, a tendency to kind of finish the season poorly. They're starting the season poorly and just kind of forgetting what was actually successful early on. So they can be brilliant and remember again as the season progresses. So yes, all of a sudden they remember Rondo Moore is a hell of a slot receiver, a very effective weapon. As he totally alluded to, he had a great volume last week. And don't forget that volume should go nowhere because the one guy who has been consistently has been that slot receiver. We had Greg Dortch a couple times mentioned on the show because for a reason, because he's in the slot. That's it, period, because he's in the slot. So as long as Ronald Moore's in the slot and the guy can actually do something with the ball, great matchup for him. I like the upside. And real quick at the pick at this point, a little bit of upside just because the fact that, you know, when you guys practice with certain players, they tend to look for those guys. Um, Pickett has a lot of, you know, practice time with Pickett. That's why he's looking for him. You saw that with Cooper Rush, you know, all of a sudden it was no, where's Noah Brown? Where'd Noah Brown come from? Because he threw to him in practice. That's why he's used to throwing to this guy. So when they get used to throwing to certain guys, they're going to utilize those guys in the game sometimes. So it is something to kind of keep your eye on. Let's get to our be cautious of. Be cautious of. You're not playing Kitty Pickett this week. He's my QB 21 against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. However, I am still on the idea that if you've been streaming quarterbacks and you have a spot to do it, this is strictly your spot to do it, I'm okay with stashing him. I'm not a big fan of Kenny Pickett himself, but he does run a little bit, and he has the weapons where if they do find a way to turn this around, there is some potential to be had there. I'm okay with the stash, but this ain't the week to play him. Uh, and also... This is, this, is, this is what Geno Smith does to Dan. This is what Geno Smith does to Dan right now. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Earmuffs. Uh, <laughs> well, because I think it's hilarious. You're actually you're going to pick it. It's like I have to actually think that this guy could be option because when you have playmakers and a guy might actually get them the ball a decent amount of time, they can actually do something. Well, it's a possibility. That's what we've seen this year. It's not. It's not about. It has been Jared Goff, Geno Smith, exactly. Less about the quarterback talent and more about do you have the weapons and do you have a team that's willing to open it up with said weapons. And that because that's that's how bad the quarterback play has been. It's not about the good quarterback anymore. It's about or do you have the weapons to make this happen? That's what's been about this season. I think it course corrects at some point. I mean, we were excited about some of these quarterbacks to begin with for a reason before, but so far it's been do you have the weapons and do you open up the offense? It doesn't really matter how good or not good your quarterback is as a result to that. And it's playing out in the fantasy industry in a really rough way. Like uh, not to get too much on a tangent here, but Chris, I, you know, I'm always the guy who's proponent of drafting quarterbacks late because you can usually find them with not a huge gap between the top tier quarterbacks and the quarterbacks hovering around that, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 position throughout the season. That's not the case this year. If you spent early draft capital on Josh Allen, if you spent early draft capital on Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts, you're the ones that are sitting pretty. There's a bigger gap between those guys, or I should say this, there's as much of a gap between that elite tier quarterback as it is the elite tier tight ends. That doesn't happen, normally speaking, but that's what's so weird about this season so far. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. 
So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Yeah, not only is that the weird part, though, but it's like you shouldn't stop even with those top tier guys because some of the later tier guys are some of the guys you want to have on your roster. Like, don't be a snob to Geno Smith. Don't be a snob to Jared Goff because as long as they're scoring points, take what you can get right now. You know, pair them with that Russell Wilson that you have in the meantime because if you can't bank on the guys who are supposed to be good, you know, play the players that are. And to your point, I think that one of the changes this year, you definitely don't want to have a one quarterback team because you see just quickly how quickly one quarterback not having that quarterback and you're in no man's land. So I think you want to make sure that you're consistently adding guys, looking for guys that are, you know, as you talk about Pickett as an option because this is not the season to kind of set idle at the quarterback position. No, it's it's been it's been very very strange. I also don't want to play DJ Moore. He came in my wide receiver thirty seven. I was surprised he even had him that high, frankly. And I, I might even move him down a little bit further. I think the only reason I do have him at wide PJ receiver thirty seven could be because right that's exactly PJ Walker might actually throw him the ball compared to Baker Mayfield. It still won't be good. And everybody out there who's like Walker, maybe Walker is an improvement over Baker. Look, I don't know. I've seen Walker play quarterback before, and my thought every time I've seen him play is that that's not an NFL quarterback, period. He shouldn't be a backup. It shouldn't be anything. But he will target, hyper-target DJ Moore. Still don't want to play him if I can at all help it. But Chris, let me ask you this question. Moving forward for the rest of the season with the coaching change, sometimes, even though it's a defensive-minded coaching change, sometimes we see coaches come in or in the interim and put an emphasis on just getting the key guys the ball. Do you think we see that here? Or because Ben Dummy Mikadu is still calling the plays, nothing changes? So I, I guess I haven't talked to you recently because the first thing that hit me was Steve Wilkes was the guy that Carolina promoted. And when how classic right and now, perfect is it? Because we have a Slack chat going on. When you messaged me about that, I hadn't seen the news yet. I thought you were joking until I actually saw the news headline that it really was Steve Wilkes. And I was like, Oh, you were joking. That's a real thing. <laughs> no, and, and in some case, people might forget, you know, that magical Arizona season where Josh Rosen was the quarterback before Kyler Murray became the quarterback. They had one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in my life for the first four or five weeks. Um, that was under a similar kind of coach to McAdoo was McCoy, also a West Coast guy from Denver. Um, you remember him? I remember from the Tim Tebow days. Well, he eventually got fired because he kept writing David Johnson off tackle between the center would be a 280 pound center, by the way. And um, David Johnson basically got killed that year. Josh Rosen was terrible. And so was Larry Fitzgerald was on his way to be a hall of famer. Um, the one saving caveat was Byron Leftwich got hired or promoted, I should say to the offensive coordinator about week five or six after they had, I think scored seven points total touchdowns wise offensively through the first three weeks. It was something horrendous. Yeah. Yeah. So of all the teams of all the promotions, I, I was like, wow, I don't know. Usually there's some kind of boost, stand. Usually there's some kind of something. <sighs> and Carolina just like, this is like adding Baker over Sam Darnold. Like really, you guys just continue to find a way to just outdo yourselves. <laughs> Look, every week that passes, I find myself as a DJ Moore owner, just chanting away for Sam Darnold. Like at least he throws in the ball. Please play him. Well, we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, I'm not playing Kate Otten. Cameron Bray is back. So I know he was a guy who was picking up steam earlier in the week. It's not going to happen now with Cameron Bray back in the lineup. And, of course, you're not playing a Seattle tight end. 
which I had to add them in there because it really sucks because you see Arizona matchup. You want to play tight ends, but I mean, is it going to be Will Disley? Is it going to be Parkinson? Is it going to be Fant? You don't know. So you can't really play any of them as a result to that. But what we want to do right now, take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got three more matchups to talk about in the second half fantasy football preview of week six. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's fantasy football show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-to-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe so you can catch all of our content when it ever becomes available to you. You can also check us out live on BillyUp.tv. If you missed an episode, that's fine. Just download the Fox D Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Fire TV devices. Look for the Belly Up Sports TV category. You can stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. And download us on your favorite podcast app as we're widely available to you. Please give us a five-star review. I'm your host, Dan Mater. Joined here with my partner in crime, Mr. Christopher Dalhauer. We're going through our last three matchups. That's right, we only got three of our second half fantasy football weekly preview, looking into the future, our clairvoyant Thursday. And uh, Chris, I had to check on the game real quick while we were at the break. Um, people thought it couldn't get any worse than last week. It's 12 to 7 right now, two-minute warning. So, yes, yes, it can get worse than it was last week. Just hopefully this game doesn't go into overtime. So that's why oh, you should end the Saints football show and, and not us. <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, so please go to overtime. <laughs> said by the true newly Terry McLaurin owner. It's <laughs> like begging. Well, I just think it's amazing because after watching last week, you know, as, as last week ended with Russell Wilson basically, you know, throwing on fourth and inches with this kind of debacle we're watching right now, I'm excited to see how bad it could get over time. <laughs> it's like the new thing to look forward in football right now. And Tom Brady pointed out a couple weeks ago is not watching, you know, a lot of competitive football. We're watching a lot of bad football. 
It is a lot of bad football, but we got to we got to do something about the schedule. I, I know later in the season they have the ability to like flex out games and stuff. And I think there's in the contract where every team has to get at least one primetime game at some point. They got to do something about Thursday nights though, because it's it, this is this is just brutal. Well, just good. They got to do something about Russell Wilson because Denver's going to schedule to be on 13 times on, t- on primetime this week. Ridiculous. Like, I watch these guys again on Monday night after that Thursday debacle. Like, I don't want to watch this team anymore. I don't need to see Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett's faces anymore. Sorry, Denver Bronco fans. I don't really want to watch it. But here's what I do want to see. I want to see what our obvious starters are for these matchups. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Yeah, I want to see the Buffalo-Kansas City Chiefs game. I want to see the Dallas Eagle game. I don't want to see the Denver Chargers game. But those are the three matchups that we're talking about in this segment of the show. This is where all the quarterbacks are. I Yesterday, today even, so far, this show, haven't been able to talk about most of the quarterbacks because they're all in these matchups. We got one, two, three, four obvious starts right off the bat. Josh Allen. Do I need to say more? No. Patrick Mahomes. He's awesome, too. He's my QB4. Jalen Hurts. Great. QB2. I've never seen a team quarterback sneak a, co- a guy more than the Eagles quarterback sneak Jalen Hurts. This is absolutely insane. The guy I want to talk about a little bit more in depth is Justin Herbert. So he's been a little disappointing so far at this point. He is my QB7 heading into this week. It is a tough matchup on paper. He's been the QB10 to this point which I think is pretty good when you consider the fact that clearly this offense is not reaching its potential without Keenan Allen. So there's another level I'm sure he will go to once Keenan Allen is back into the fold. But for now, I want to put this out there because I've got a lot of questions on social media about this. Justin Herbert very much is a buy low candidate because the the trade offers that I've seen so far that people have asked me about trading both for and trading away Justin Herbert, the price tag trust me, is low. If you've been looking for quarterbacks, he's somebody you might be able to buy in on right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of surprising people have been so down on him. I don't think they're expecting. The guy doesn't run. So the guy does throw what he's known for is throwing, but that doesn't mean you can't be a fantasy option or a very productive fantasy option. Some of the top guys this year, we talked about some of the Jericho off, Geno Smith, they're throwing, they're not running. There's not a lot of guys out there that you can get your hands on that are going to be scramblers. So when you have a guy who's throwing 300 yards pretty consistently, two to three touchdowns, and still hasn't really played his A-plus game or with his A-plus offense yet, I think that's not something you want to stick your nose up to, especially as you talk about the quarterback situation this year. Well, that's the key for me, is that if he's QB 10, that's his floor. Keenan Allen will be back at some point. He won't have broken ribs the whole season either. So, I mean, like, he's right. he literally had broken ribs. Like, so, yeah. Yeah, like, he's getting healthier himself. There's another level that we will see Justin Herbert get to so you can buy low on them. Again, just, just go ahead and do so. And I'm telling you right now, it is possible before you tell me it's not. Austin Eckler, he's an obvious start at RB4. It's nice to see him get back on track at the very least. And it seems like the rotation with the Chargers, they've kind of figured out it's not going to be Sony Michelle. It is going to be Joshua Kelly when they don't have Austin Eckler out there. Just a little FYI. Stephon Diggs, he's been making me look good because I had him ranked as my wide receiver three overall, and he is not disappointed, and he is my wide receiver three, actually, for this week. And Travis Kelsey is my tight end one. Chris, is there any of those names that you need to say anything about? No, I know some of these guys have tougher matchups. You know, Buffalo is very good at the tight end position, you know, very good defense general, um, you know, but you still have some matchups from home, so start sure Travis Kelsey. These, none of these guys are matchups that they shouldn't be able to still be, have a good floor in. All right, let's move on to our lock them in. Lock them in. It's a lock. 
Don't have any lock him in quarterbacks. I do have one running back, though, and that's Melvin Gordon. He comes in my RB17. He led the way. He gets involved in the passing game, gets involved on the ground. Oh, and by the way, he's playing the Chargers this upcoming week. So, yeah, lock him in as a mid-level RB2 with some upside. Yeah, the one thing you're a little bored, he's a little banged up. Uh, he's been limited all practice long. He should be okay. They expect him to be able to play, but he has been limited. And the only other problem you might have is, will Denver actually continue to try to run the ball because they seem to just not remember they have good running backs? Well, he's, he's still got over 15 touches, which ultimately is really all I care about with the running back leading the way. Um, but yeah, shotgunning it on fourth and inches. Well, both him and Boone had 85 yards all purpose. I mean, the, both the running backs actually did well. They just didn't seem to be remembered for most of the game. No, agreed. And we're we're going to talk about Mike Boone a, a little bit later on because I did want to highlight him too. Uh, let's talk about our wide receivers. Gabe Davis. Yeah, I want to spend some time talking about Gabe Davis. So I, I understand. I get it. He still only got six targets last week. He did all of his damage on three receptions. That's what Gabe Davis is. I didn't. We didn't draft Gabe Davis with the idea that he was going to turn into this 90-100 target guy. We drafted Gabe Davis with the idea that as long as you get six to eight targets in the game, you can take any one of those catches to the house, and you're going to be a red zone threat and a pass-heavy offense. Oh, by the way, last week, what did I tell you guys? So as long as you practice in full, there was no way I was not going to lock him in as a wide receiver, too. That's exactly what happened. He practiced in full. He showed you what happens when he's actually healthy. You got a game against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is why we got excited about Gabe Davis with this game in the playoffs last year. Yeah, I'm firing him up. He's my wide receiver 18, and I got big hopes for him the rest of the season. Yeah, I was a little disappointed about Gabe Davis last week because I was trying to add him in every league. I also was very big on him. I had him in a lot of DFS leagues. That was my, my guy. I told you guys should definitely play. I thought, you know, the, the regression was coming because this guy had to get healthy. And he's about the six targets. As long as Gabe Davis is getting four to five catches, as you kind of alluded to, if he only gets the ball four to five times, it's probably going to be a 20 or 30 yarder mixed in there somewhere. So he's going to get you 70 to 80 yards right there. And then else you get a touchdown. He doesn't need the same kind of volume as some of these other guys do because he's not averaging 11 yards per catch. CeeDee Lamb. So CeeDee Lamb, we have to be a little bit lower on this week. He comes into my wide receiver 10. The good news is that with Michael Gall back in the lineup, CeeDee Lamb is getting moved into the slot a little bit more and more, and that's the one area that you can attack the Philadelphia Eagles defensively. So you need him to be able to do that, thankfully, because of the way they play defense. Bradbury, Darius Slate, they don't shadow anymore. So if anything, he'd be based upon Maddox, and that's if Maddox is even healthy. He might not be anyway. So CeeDee Lamb, I still think, has a safe floor. I think Dallas will have to come back from behind, so that will lead to hyper-targeting out of Cooper Rush for CD. But just don't expect a big game. Like, I have him as a wide receiver one. It's a low-end wide receiver one. I don't expect a huge ceiling at a Lamb this week. Yeah, I mean, maybe not. But I think that you still, what you've been very excited about is that he's been getting the volume week in, week out, and that's been consistently there. And that shouldn't change, as you've alluded to, because they is can always move around make sure he gets right targets. Now. I'm sorry, what'd you say? I'm sorry. Is he number two or number three right now in targets? I know. Cup I believe it was number three. I would. I, I don't. I know he's going number two to last week, but I don't remember what he actually ends up finishing going coming into this. We week. know actually um, he slid down to number five because Marquise Brown because they didn't have like a bunch of jumped right. Just a couple guys jumped in there, but yeah, and, and he didn't have a lot of targets last week, but they didn't really need to use him as much. Go ahead. And and the point is this: when we when you know me personally, I, I projected C. D. Lamb as my wide receiver six overall. It wasn't because I thought he's as talented as those other guys they had at top fives because the volume is going to be there. Like I had this guy pegged as somebody who might get 150 targets this year. He's on pace for that. 
And that was with Cooper Rush, the quarterback position. Dak Prescott will be back sooner rather than later. But just for this game, maybe temper your expectations, but obviously he's still in your lineup. I'm locking in A.J. Brown as a top eight wide receiver this week. And I do want to talk about him and Devonta Smith. I'm also locking in Devonta Smith as a top 24 receiver this week. Both should be in your lineups. But it's been a little, uh, it's been predictable, but not predictable. So you have one week where it's A.J. Brown. The next week it's Devonta Smith. And it's kind of going vice versa where I was like, okay, I can't get the consistency from a back-to-back week. But it does seem to be like, okay, if it's one guy's week, one week, it's going to be the next guy week's the other week. So this should be an A.J. Brown week. But I had an interesting question that I posted on social media, and I got a lot of interesting answers back. And, Chris, I'm going to ask you that same question and see what you say. By the end of the season, do we think there's actually going to be a significant gap between A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith from a fantasy football standpoint? I think yes, because I think ultimately A.J. Brown's going to be able to separate himself when it comes to the red zone and touchdowns. I think Devonta Smith won't kind of continue, continue to be what in that, that same realm. A.J. Brown owner, him not getting in the end zone right now, is killing me. It is, but I also think that you kind of see A.J. Brown's one of those guys that seems to kind of, once it kind of clicks for him, it just kind of comes. So I think once he scores that first touchdown, you're going to see them kind of consistently. I also think that the Eagles are still trying to, you know, figure that offense out a little bit to the degree. They've gotten a little nice matchups. Um, they've kind of, you know, so easy. A.J. Brown's only his first year there, so you're still kind of figuring out what his role is with all these other weapons you're using. You're still using Hurts as your running quarterback. So it's kind of, you're excited, I think, right now, because the Eagles are playing better than you probably hoped they could right now. And it still could be even get it better. So A.J. Brown, to me, is that guy who's still the stud. He's the guy they paid the money for. And ultimately, he's the guy that can make more plays happen. I love Devonta Smith's ability, but I think A.J. Brown's more the money player and the big-time player that you want to have towards the end of the season. It's just interesting right now, target-wise, A.J. Brown's only in the lead, 45 to 38. It's been a close gap to this point. Well, Dan, I'll give you, I'll give you a comp, I think. Uh, Tyler Lockett and, and um, D.K. are probably a good comp where I think you see – DK is definitely the red zone guy, the bigger play guy, but the guy that's going to probably week in, week out, usually be more consistent. Now, that's weird. Your Talak is going to be consistent, but Talak usually has a boom games. Overall, throughout the season, the stats are pretty similar, especially the yards-wise, but it's a little bit different how you get them week to week. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm aboard with A.J. Brown will eventually separate himself, but I do think the way they've been utilizing these two to this point, it does beg for the question. That's why I posted it and thought it was an interesting discussion to be able to have because – if, if you think about it from the standpoint of there's not going to be a huge gap, well, then you should be going out and getting Devonta Smith because then you're going to have almost well, same man, as an A.J. Brown. We're going to get to this position in a second, but what does it make you feel like Goddard? Because that's to me, I know I was bigger. A lot of people were that Devonta Smith could eat with A.J. Brown. Now people said that couldn't happen. But the guy I thought would eventually get butchered was going to be Goddard, where he's still kind of, you know, fantasy relevant. So that's the guy I'm kind of curious what your take is on. Well, so we were going to get him the next segment. I'll just mention him now. He's my tight end four for this week, by the way. So I'm firing up Dallas Goddard and feeling very confident about it. It seems as though they they definitely want to make sure Goddard doesn't get left out. Like so, like kind of what they're doing with the wide receivers. Like they're making sure if it's one guy's week, they have to be the other guy's week. Well, in the mixture of all that going on, I've never seen so many bubble screens to a tight end in my life, and like they're acting like he's Travis Kelsey out there. So it, clearly, they want to make sure Goddard stays involved. I think he can, regardless of what's going on with the wide receivers, because they don't have a third pass catcher. He's going to be that third pass catcher, and he's another guy where I think the touchdowns will come for him eventually too. So as long as nobody else gets added to this offense, and I don't think Quez Watkins is really consistently ever going to be a thing, I think Goddard will actually be fine. And then the other caveat to that too is that when you compare him to the rest of the tight end group, 
maybe he's not consistently a top five tight end when some of the other bigger names start to hit, but he's never going to be lower than eight. So you're always going to want to play him in your lineups regardless of all that and be just fine with it. That, that's where I'm at with Dallas Goddard the rest of the way. Yeah, I like that. I like how you point out the, you know, the consolidation of targets because the Eagles are one of the few teams that don't throw the ball very much. They're running back and haven't really had anybody step up. That Kenneth Gainwell right. was supposed to be that guy, but it hasn't really been featured in the passing attack. Not so either. as a result, there's a lot of passing running, you know, attempts that usually go to running backs and other offenses that aren't going, they're actually going to tight ends receivers. So I was curious to see what your take was. Before we move off of the Eagles completely, I do want to say if there's ever a buy low window on an A.J. Brown, Right now is that time coming off of a three-catch, 36-yard performance, and he hasn't been everything everybody drafted into the beat at this point. So if you're ever going to buy low to A.J. Brown, it is now or never for what that's worth. Cortland Sutton, I'm also locking him in as a top 12 wide receiver this week. I got him at wide receiver 11. The great thing about Cortland Sutton is that it doesn't matter how bad the offense is. It doesn't matter how bad Russell Wilson is. He's found to get away, found a way to get it done, whether it's been through 100 yards or getting in the end zone. It has not mattered. Cortland Sun's a top 12 guy. And then Mike Williams, I'm locking him in as a top 24 receiver. He'll probably become more of a mid-level wide receiver too by the end of the week because I don't expect Keenan Allen to play. Yes, he'll. I would think he'll likely see Patrick Sertan the most, but he has to be the go-to option for Justin Herbert when Keenan Allen is out. There's no way... He's not in my lineup, even with a tough matchup on paper. Yeah, and I think you've seen Sertan kind of, you know, starting to not be as locked down as he has started off the season. Some guys are starting to get off of him a little he bit more. So against the Colts, which I thought was really surprising. He hasn't shadowed every game. He kind of they kind of pick and choose where they have him shadowed based on the game plan. Um, but they also kind of been using him more so on the outside guys, which has kind of allowed him to at times you know be very aggressive, but also times that he's getting a little getting a little too aggressive sometimes. So I think it'll be interesting. I think that's a team that you can definitely still attack. Denver's offense is more of a pass funnel team as it is, so you can you throw the ball around a lot with them. Um, and, and you talk about Cooper, uh, Cortland Sutton, kind of like the Cooper Cup for this Denver Bronco offense, the one guy who actually shows up despite the, the shit show going on around him. And, I, I, you know, you have the guy that line up, and so far you haven't really seen what he can actually do. When Russell Wilson actually can complete passes, who knows what Cortland Sutton could be capable of this year. If, if he could just complete passes, how about that statement right there? That that just says it. That just says it all. Uh, let's go into our lookout for for this group. Look out for. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Speaking of Russell Wilson, he's at my QB 13. And I may come to regret that because Carson Wentz was awful, but I had to purposely move him outside my top 12. I couldn't do it, Chris. I could not, in good conscience, even in a bye week, even as bad as the quarterback position has been, I could not have Russell Wilson inside my top 12 this week. I just couldn't. I couldn't. I'd it's love an option, but I don't know what you do. Go ahead. Denver offense has not scored 20 points and who knows how long. I think it's supposed to be two seasons is going on, it seems like. Um, yeah, I mean, how can you? When they don't score points, this guy's making up injuries. Um, he missing guys wide open. And then on fourth and inches, you're throwing the ball to people who are covered while, you know, 
poor Ken Hambler is sitting there throwing his helmet into the ground going ballistic. I think everybody in the Bronco, you know, fandom felt like he did. And I think that you look right now, Russell Wilson and slowly he kind of gets out of his own head. Um, I don't know if you can play this guy right now. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 look, I'm going to, I'm going to make this point about this rest of the season right now. You can't convince me to own a Russell Wilson when you could easily stream a Jared Goff, a Geno Smith, um, you know, even a, like he's in the realm of like the Jimmy Garoppolo's, the Zach Wilson. Like that's where Russell Wilson truly is right now. I think he's got more potential in those guys. But if you're saying to yourself like, look, do I really have to keep owning Russell Wilson? The answer is no. Why own Russell Wilson when he's no different than those other back end streaming quarterbacks right now? And I don't have a, a, a glimmer of hope. I don't have a process. I don't have an algorithm. I don't, I don't have a light at the end of the tunnel to point to of like a time to which that maybe this thing turns around. I don't well, know. I mean, it's, it's scary. It's very scary. I mean, he has more volume, but if you look at the numbers on a per pass attempt basis, basically, what, what he got benched for in Pittsburgh is what Russell Wilson is doing right now in Denver. Like, that's what he's doing. That's how bad it is. He's averaging well under seven yards per attempt or per completion. The guy's missing easy throws, and everybody has like, oh, he's learning the offense still. Uh, news flashed. It's a West Coast offense. Darren Bevel, who coached him, was a West Coast guy. Uh, Schottenheimer was a West Coast guy. So go through all the coaching staff that coached in Seattle, and you're going to find there's lots of guys who coached exactly like the, the, the Matt LaFleur coaching tree. Um, so sorry, guys. That doesn't fly either. No. You paid a quarterback $200 million. He can't suck that bad. I don't care if he's trying to learn the offense. Give me a break. He's a veteran quarterback. Well, I, I got annoyed because I come here and how Aaron Rodgers had it took him a long time to learn the offense. This offense is so hard to learn. Where? Yeah. Uh, well, I saw Mike White have 400 yards last year in his offense, by the way, guys. Real quick, just point that out. So, let's, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Let's, let's talk about the lookout for our running backs. So, Devin Singletary is one of those guys that I did want to highlight in this one. He comes in at RB23 for me. I'm still playing him as a low-end RB2 based off of that. He has a stranglehold on the backfield when it comes to playing time. The problem is this Buffalo care to use them or not. The good news is in this game, they're not going to blow out Kansas City like they did the Pittsburgh Steelers, so he's not going to lose touches like he did in, in the second half to James Cook and Zach Moss and where they bench everybody. That that won't happen. I expect Devin Singletary to have a decent game. That's why he's a top 24 running back to me. Don't get you know overtaken with fear because he didn't go off the way you hoped he would. And I know that I've been t- saying, you know, try to buy low on Singletary while you can. That window is going to probably close after this week because I do think they're going to need to use Singletary in this one to keep the offense somewhat balanced. I'm looking for a big game out of him. Definitely locking him in as a top 24 guy. And as long as he continues to have this playing time, we've seen what his potential can be when he has a stranglehold in the backfield. So continue to play him. Yeah, you love the you love the stranglehold. I messed up playing David Singletary myself last week because I forgot about the idea of that once they're blowing you out, they don't need you. But the key thing is, and kind of keep this in mind with Devin Singletary, whenever these games are going to be more competitive, the guy who they are not taking out of the backfield is him. You're not going to see Cook. You might see Moss very sporadically, but you're not going to see anybody else catching the ball or running the ball. It'll be all Singletary. And what you like right now is you see a nice floor with it catching the ball because when Josh Allen actually checking the ball down, which he has been more doing so this year, 
you know, Singletary's giving you a nice little floor. You know, I, like, I like your rankings with him this, year, this week. Nice play. CEH, he's my RB20 on the week. And unfortunately for you guys who did not sell him high while you had the opportunity, that window officially shut. Last week wasn't an aberration as far as what touches he was getting on a per-week basis. What it was was a reality check and what happens if he's not uber-efficient with those touches or getting into the end zone at an alarming rate, which is something in his career he has not done. This is an aberration of what we've been seeing over the past few weeks. Now, I'm still an RB20 for me because this is a game in which I expect a lot of points to be scored, so the opportunities will be there. But you're stuck with Clyde Rizzler, I think, at this point, and you're just going to have to ride that wave and hope he gets into the end zone on the very little usage that he gets. Well, not very little usage. I mean, even in previous years, he's gotten a little more this year than he has, um, but he has still been an RB2 value. So people know you're not getting the RB1 that you are kind of hoping for a couple years ago. They're not getting a bad play with the usage because you're getting the money top plays. They make sure they score them using the red zone. They throw a ball cut occasionally to him, but it's basically it's been his usage throughout his career so far, and it's been good enough to be an RB2 value. Hell of upside sometimes more so. The guy I'm more interested in to see, especially how this, you know everybody reacts fantasy where they forget about them the week before, is it going to be a McKinnon week or Pacheco? Because I watch the guys drop and add these guys week in, week out, and they're always wrong. So I'm curious to see because I think one of the teams you can't figure out what Buffalo is about Singletary when you know the game script's going to tell you. Buffalo usually covers, and you know Buffalo's going to blow out and who they're not going to blow out. Kansas City, you have no idea how that game's going to unfold. So good luck guessing what backs you're going to pick. The second running back over CHE is my thing. Well, you're not playing a second running back. Let, let's just be clear about but that. Everybody keeps giant actually there are, though, for some reason. I watched McKinnon and I guess Pacheco and McKinnon have been added like week in, week out, like the last three weeks. Now it's catching. I would think those are ads that are for upside if something were to shake out or somebody gets hurt or something along those lines. You can't really play either one of these guys right right, right now. Um, we do have a question coming in real quick. Pratham, do I trade Chase Aaron Jones for Cook and A.J. Brown? Who wins this trade? I need a consistent running back, and he needs a consistent wide receiver. Uh, it's a lateral move. Nobody wins the trade because you, Chase is the better receiver and Cook is the better running back. But who's been that consistent this year? I mean, was, Chase has been consistent. I don't, I don't. He's consistently gotten targeted. I don't know if he's been consistently great or that much better than A.J. Brown really so far at this point. Fact, if, he, is, if, if this is full-point PPR, he has been. I understand that this full-point PPR than he had point been. PPR, A.J. Brown still has a, had a better season so far than Jamar Chase has. And Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, like Dalvin Cook's gotten it going lately, but he's got Alexander Madison bringing down his neck, and I got a little more faith in Aaron Jones going the distance than I do Dalvin Cook right now. Look, I think this is a parallel trade. Nobody wins that trade. Nobody gets better from that trade, and I don't, I don't do parallel trades. Uh, next up, we got Ezekiel Elliott. He's my lookout for, and I'll just add Tony Pollard to this list. He's my RB33. Elliott's my RB22. This week, yes, they're RB3s because you may not have a better option. It's so unexciting to play a Dallas Cowboy running back right now. First of all, you have no idea how any one of them is going to get utilized at any given moment. They have a bad matchup this week against the Philadelphia Eagles to boot. <sighs> you might have to play him, but I'm not happy about it. Well, it's been pretty consistent usage. It's been 60-40 pre-split. They've been kind of you know getting both high touches. I the meant problem... like the usage in the game, not their splits between each other. Their overall usage in the game. No, I understand. Um, the thing right now that I just want to remind people, I I can avoid playing Zeke. 
I would try not to this week. It's a bad matchup for him. And historically, he's been terrible versus the Eagles. So those two things, this is a good defensive line, not a good matchup for Zeke. I just would, that's a guy I would prefer not to play. Pollard's going to be kind of the FX option where you never know what he's going to kind of do, you know, week in, week out. You never know what his rules are going to be like you kind of alluding to. Zeke's, you're kind of really banking on him falling into that red zone. Because if he doesn't score a touchdown in this game, I don't think you're getting anything from him. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. And then we got Mike Boone. He comes in. I'm sorry, I skipped. I will get to Mike Boone in a second. Miles Sanders, he comes to my RB18. He's been good enough, getting a good enough usage. You have to play him. He's been an RB2. Having said that, Boston Scott might be back this week. That could screw up the whole rotation. We've seen it. It's It shouldn't, but it does. It does enough to make Miles Sanders go from a guy who's getting 18 touches to like 12 or 14. And then you're really limiting his ceiling as a result to that. So unfortunately, it's not a great matchup either against the Dallas Cowboys, but the add on top of it, Boston Scott does give me some does give me some fear if I had to play Miles Sanders as far as what his ceiling is, but ultimately still an RB2. Yeah, you can run versus Dallas. I mean, you know, don't get twisted when you show the Rams because you know they're running and the offense lines is so bad. Um, but I think when it looks at you know Miles Sanders, you make a great point about you're kind of worried about the, you know the targets, not targets and touches. Um, but what you haven't really seen is that that try backfield. You haven't seen Gainwell and Scott and somebody else and with Sanders. So it's been nice. Words it's been maybe one other guy we sprinkled in. So even Boston Scott gets back in there because Gainwell's usage hasn't really been you know very um, consistent. I think Miles Sanders is a little bit safer floor than he has in past seasons. All right, let's move on to Mike Boone. I do want to highlight him. So roughly a 60-40 snap, snap count with Melvin Gordon last week. We'll see if that continues. That That's good enough, though, especially in this match against the Chargers in a week like this, where he's actually my RB35. So I am saying that Mike Boone is in the flex conversation. Don't ask me if I feel good about it, because I don't. But it's good enough usage. He got involved in both the rushing and the passing game. Denver, the only thing they can do successfully is use the running backs to move the ball. And if Melvin Gordon gets a little more nicked up in this game or he's not 100% healthy going into the matchup, which he might not be, Mike Boone might have to get utilized even more. Before you even ask Look, me, I'm not worried about Latavius Murray. Go ahead. Uh, sorry. I, I got to say, look, you know, Mike Boone isn't a bum in a sense. People are kind of looking at him that he's just going to be some guy – what Melvin Gordon was kind of doing his role, I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes Mike Boone's role. Do a lot of similar things. Mike Boone can catch the ball. He can run the ball. You saw him get 85 yards last week you know, total for a team that scored nine points. Both the running backs were looked pretty good last week. So if they kind of remember what they could do with the running backs, I think you're going to see both these guys be utilized more. Um, they had lost their left tackle for bowls for the season as well, so they probably have to keep that in mind. And we've seen this kind of script before. You know, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, there's a lot of opportunity for them to kind of split back backs in the backfield and Melvin Gordon's never been a bell cow so if you guys thought about you know, Melvin Gordon all of a sudden going to be the, the only guy back there that's not happening Latavius Murray I agree with you is not something to worry about unless or even consider unless one of these two guys were to get hurt we got a question coming in from Caden need to start two Kirk Pittman or Sutton Pittman first of all Sutton. I need you to have those two choices but uh yeah it's right. it, it's it's Kirk well actually it's Kirk and Sutton for me it's Pittman and Sutton for me. I think Pittman's the guy that I think is, you know, Matt Ryan has been the most consistent guy, but he looks for Pittman when he's healthy out there. And Sutton, as we talked about, no matter what's going on in Denver's offense, he's still been consistently doing his thing. Trevor Lawrence has been the most accurate. Christian Kirk's been open, uh, but he, Trevor Lawrence has been really hitting the guy. So I would kind of 
what we'll see that first. Doug Peterson, and this is why I actually we can pull up the graphic right here because I have Kirk as a wide receiver thirteen heading into this week. After the comments coming out of Doug Peterson, there's going to be an emphasis to make sure Christian Kirk is getting the ball this week. I can guarantee, I can guarantee you, he's getting double digit targets this upcoming week, upcoming. So, Christian Kirk, I'm playing him as a high end wide receiver too. And I have Cortland Sutton inside my top 12. So that, that's why I'm all over Kirk this week. Not that I don't like Pittman. Let's not get that twisted. But those are three very good options I have to pick two from to begin with. Uh, let's, let's talk about our lookout for wide receivers. So another receiver I'm excited about is Isaiah McKenzie. He comes in at wide receiver 35 for me. Look, all, look, all hands on deck. All hands on deck against the Kansas City Chiefs. You really can kill him with a slot receiver. He's back. He's clear concussion protocol. He will be the starter. I'm not expecting Khalil Shakir to get a split like Jameson Crowder was getting in this game. I think this is McKenzie's slot position. Fire him up because we might see 100 points in this game. Yeah, I'm not as excited about McKenzie. I think that you're at a full point PPR. You're thinking about that. But I think this is more of a situation where he if he gets his is because somebody else isn't getting theirs. I think there's not enough you know guys involved in the offense for him to kind of eat as well. I disagree with that because Dawson Knox is not involved in the offense. And because he's not involved in the offense, it leads the way that three receivers can definitely, especially in a matchup like this against Kansas City. But you haven't, you've seen Buffalo kind of, you know, make sure Stephon Diggs is always number one priority in getting the ball week in, week out. That's top priority. Gabe Davis got these amount of targets last week. He's still looking for more targets. He got six. He got six. I know. And McKenzie, McKenzie started getting eased back in last week. Shakir had five, had three catches. Um, but they spread the ball around a lot of different guys. That's more my thing with Buffalo. They have their major guy who gets the ball is Diggs. Everybody else kind of gets to spreading it around. So it could be McKenzie's, but I think Gabe Davis is a, a fantastic matchup as well. It's about Singletary coming out of the backfield. I just don't see enough volume for him to kind of eat too. I think we might see personal. a 53 to 50 game, and there'll be enough volume for everybody and their mom to eat off of that. That's, maybe it's me hoping for it, but whatever. I think we might be able to see that. Uh, Jerry Judy, he comes in for me at my wide receiver 28. I'm still playing Jerry Judy. I'm tired of hearing the talk about Jerry Judy being the problem. We spent all this time talking about Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson, how bad they've been. Somehow, Judy's the problem as to why he has been performing more consistently. It just makes no sense. But neither here nor there. Josh Palmer, you can play him if you need a backup to Keenan Allen. Don't love the matchup, obviously, against Denver. I think he's got a low floor. But I do think he'll be inside my top 36 if Keenan Allen does miss so just somebody you kind of plug and play in that monday night game let's get to our be cautious of for these matchups be cautious of so be cautious of the kansas city wide receivers so while i'm super excited about the buffalo wide receivers on their side and there's going to be points scored in this game i don't know who it's going to be somebody's going to go off will it be marquez valis will it be juju smith schuster will it be Miko hartman i don't know I think this game would be a prime opportunity to get Sky more involved, but they haven't done that so far. So I can't tell you which one of these receivers is going to go off. I have all three of them outside my top 36. I'm going to be wrong on at least one of them, but since I can't tell you who it is, I'm going to tell you not to play any of them. Yeah, I think a part of reason you can't tell anybody who it is because you haven't seen anybody kind of step up since week one. Juju had a nice game, and that's been it. Um, and Buffalo's pretty good versus most receivers have been very good the entire season without even without White. Um, so this is going to be interesting because I think what you're going to continue to see, what you almost can't see this year, is their running backs and the tight ends are the guys that like to use the more in their passing attack, and then the receivers are more window dressing. Question coming in from Adam. This is an easy one for me. Pick one, full point PPR, Kareem Hunt, Mike Boone, Alexander Madison, or Michael Carter. 
is Kareem Hunt all the way, and I'm not thinking twice about that one. Chris? Agreed. Okay. Uh, last but not least, the tight ends. I'm not, I'm not starring Dalton Schultz. It's really unfortunate for Dalton Schultz. Look, he's at the point now where even if Dak Prescott comes back, I don't know what to expect out of Schultz because I just don't think he's anywhere close to being healthy, and I don't know if he ever gets healthy this season. Yeah, I don't think he ever gets healthy either, but I know one thing is for sure that Dak Prescott can come back soon enough for this man because if you're, you know, Dalton Schultz owner tight end guy, you're devastated because without Dak Prescott, there's That's nothing. The only get, though, no hope. I just, I don't know because I don't know what he's going to be able to do on that knee. Uh, I agree. Dawson Knox, tight end 19. I kind of alluded to when I talked about Isaiah McKenzie. He's not involved in the offense. He's always been a touchdown dependent guy to begin with, and uh, he's left out even, even though they paid him. Yeah, this offense is going to spread it around. Like I said, they had different guys. They want to make sure they get the ball. The prime ones digs. Everybody else kind of just gets his opportunity. Um, this isn't quite like we were talking about earlier with some guys getting their turn. It's their turn. For Buffalo, it could be a, a guy's turn each game. So they have some different players that they involve. I'm not really, you know, you can't bank on having Dallas Knox in your lineup this week. Let's Dallas get to the mailbag segment. The mail's here. Remember, all you got to do to get on the mailbag segment is hit us up on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow. We'll help you out. Any questions you have, and then I'll pick out a few of my favorite ones, and we'll make sure you get put on the show. If you're not already you know, in the comments on the live show, which I do appreciate as we get to throughout the day. But let's talk about the first one, the 1KC rest of season. He asked Garrett Wilson or Keenan Allen. Can I get the answer to this one? Oh, this is a no-brainer for me. This is Keenan Allen. Look, I love Wilson's talent. I love his skill set. But there's so many talk about mouths to feed. The Jets' offense has a lot of different mouths you can feed. And you're not necessarily sure what this offense is actually going to be yet. This coaching staff kind of slowed it down since Zach Wilson has taken over a lot of the production early in the passing attack with Joe Flacco's throwing the ball 50 times a game. Zach Wilson will not be doing that, so I'm not as excited about his future. 100% agree. Fino Mad 6, Taysom Hill, or Gerald Everett this week? I've been big on if you can play Taysom in the tight end position, it could be the cheat code. I'm going with the guy who can be the most upside, who can blow up as a quarterback, can throw the ball, he can run the ball, who knows what he can do. But I'm putting him in, like I said, if you get top the top five tight ends, who knows what you're going to get. So why not put the guy who could be the highest upside in your lineup? So I do have Gerald Everett ranked two spots ahead. He has a safer floor, especially because I'm not expecting Keenan Allen to play because Hill could give you zero or he could give you 100. That's, just, that's what you signed up for Taysom Hill. So for me, this question is more about what do you need? Do you need just a floor play out of your tight end? Are you expected to win this game? Or do you need to take a shot? Are you going to be outgunned? If that's going to be the case, I'm rolling with Taysom Hill. Just don't come complaining to me when he gives you a zero because you know what you got. You signed yourself up for when you picked up Taysom Hill for your tight end position. But I will say this. As long as Andy you Dalton is the Hold on. As long as Andy Dalton is the quarterback, Taysom Hill will have his packages, I believe, in the red zone. That's going to be the case. When Jameis Winston comes back, I think it goes away, at least not to the level of what it is now. But as long as Andy Dalton's out there, you have a chance. Now, what did you say? I said it's not going to go away this week, and I don't think it goes away like this. Like you're saying, they planned on using him a lot this season. He's got hurt early in the season. So there's still that idea that they were going to use him as a weapon. He gets to start a tight end, but that's not the idea. They still want to mix him in for opportunities for in the red zone throughout the game so they can continue to do that. And just a, a side note, Sean Payton, I heard, uh, texted Mar- uh, Marty Loomis about, you know, if you get tired of paying that guy $10 million next year or two, I'll take him off your hands. AKA Dallas. Um, <laughs> Gibbs, he has Duvernay or Zay Jones this week. 
So we don't, we're not expecting Rashad Bateman. He didn't practice again today. So that means Devin Duvernay will be the starter. And that makes this pretty simple for me. I like Duvernay a lot as the number one go-to wide receiver because he's got a chance to give you those big plays. And because he's been getting involved in the backfield sometimes, and he gets he definitely gets his targets. Last week, he had seven targets. He's a lead receiver there without Rashad Bateman around. I kind of like his floor-to-ceiling ratio more than a Zay Jones, who is always just a volume four play to begin with. Well, here's my one thing. I think it depends totally on the scoring. Um, I think Zay Jones is only the preference if you're in a full-point PPR because you're getting the eight targets coming week in, week out that slot position. So that's going to be a guarantee you've seen that in Jacksonville. I'm sorry, what'd you say? I said, at least you should be anyway. Well, you have, but you, even when he didn't play, he got seven targets last week. He only caught two of the balls. But, you know, you saw Jamal Agnew have a good week the week before because that slot position is peppered with targets. So Zay Jones will be involved if he's out there. Having said all that, I agree with you. Duvray is, is like a Debo Jr. out there, or Debo Mini in a sense. So I think there's different versions of ways to get him the ball. He can actually do all the different things. He has been utilized in the passing attack. He had that big game last week where he could have had a touchdown, but Lamar missed him. So he's been pretty consistently pretty good. So that's a guy if you played any other scoring other than a full point PPR, I love Duvray. That does it for today's show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Make sure you're hitting us up on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow and downloading us on your favorite podcast app. Subscribe to YouTube so you can catch all of our content there as well and download the Foxy Network app so you can watch us on your on-demand TV services. We'll be back tomorrow night with the Cashing Friday, our DFS, the lineups, and Chaz Flaherty join the show to talk about our sports bets, our NFL sports bets of the week. So make sure you guys come back for that. I'm Dan Mater. This is Chris Dowhauer. We'll see you guys tomorrow night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.